The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone. And oh, my goodness, I I find myself always getting so excited on on, on Wednesday, knowing that we are going to be having our show and knowing that our, our listeners are in powerful places throughout the world. They are definitely intentional spirits. They are committed to being a difference maker and a change agent. And that, that just takes, it's such an inner commitment to, to go the course of your life with your, your mission, knowing you are the purpose. Uh, Purpose is not something outside of ourselves. It's something within us, this purpose driven life that allows us to move forward in the best of times when the challenge is on the table, even more so then, but we keep moving forward. So, wow, we're excited today to talk to Dr. Ruth Richards. She is definitely a change agent. We're going to be featuring her new book today, Everyday Creativity and the Healthy Mind, Dynamic New Paths for Self and Society. Wow. We are so glad you showed up on the planet, Dr. Ruth, and you said yes. Oh, thank you very much. I'm, I feel very um, fortunate I ended up doing this work. Oh. Well, tell us about you. How did, a, how did a, a great, amazing Dr. Ruth uh, get to be who you are and what you are? Oh, thank you so much. People kind of wonder at first if I'm the other Dr. Ruth, and I say, nope, sorry. <laughs> um, but but I I would credit um, a couple people in particular my mother's mother for getting me interested in doing art which creativity is much more than art but but let's credit Grandma Helen here because uh, I wasn't that old and she gave me crayons and a little book and it and encouragement to explore and not to explore like to copy someone's picture but just whatever you want to do and see what happens. And and that was where it started. And then a friend's mother named Edith, who lived to 101 and recently died, but a, a wonderful woman, um, she continued, because my grandma wasn't local, uh, giving me some lessons. And, and I like to say, you know, all of us without this one little thing or another would be living a different life. And without uh, either of these women, I would be living a different life. So I think we can we can take credit for things. No, <laughs> um, of course. But, uh, yes. And uh, no, I just said of course. Continue on, please. Oh yeah. Not not obvious to a lot of people, and and with my colleagues, we're interested in chaos and complexity theory, which lets us look at the world of change and process and interconnection and surprise that we're in, which I can come back to. But but in any event, I became really interested in creativity, which um, at first I just thought was all about art um, as I went along. And leaving out a lot of parts of my story, I ended up um, well, in, in, the, in a school of education wanting to teach 
um, both art, which I always loved, and physics, science, math, which I also loved. Um, and I suddenly saw this is all about creativity. It's not just about art. Uh, and that came from some of the experiences in that school of education. However, um, what I noticed in schools where we were you know, doing our work is that the goal wasn't always or, or sometimes at all to be creative, that is, to ask one's own questions, to find, find out how things worked, as to learn what other people had done. And that, for many of us in education, and I come on one side from a family of, you know, educators, or there are various people who have, um, were, became a mission to open that up to what are we really doing in education? Are we teaching a set of facts or teaching ways to encounter life? And I didn't say to think, to encounter mm -hmm. life, mm -hmm. thinking. Right. Um, so that's, that's probably um, one big picture there. But I went on to get involved in clinical work. Um, I'm a psychiatrist and educational psychologist. I also come from a family of clinicians. And very quickly got interested in creativity and clinical and social action and spirituality and a lot of stuff, chaos theory. So um, this is the, what's pulled it together has been the study of what we call, and by we here I'm including Dennis Kinney at McLean Hospital and Harvard Medical School, where I spent lots and lots of time, and others who worked with us call um, everyday creativity. So it's really our originality of everyday life, which we can be doing all the time, but often are not. <laughs> um, and it's really relevant to everything. <laughs> so it's a way of life. Um, I can go on or you can ask me questions. You can go on. I, you're, uh -huh. you're handling your own just fine. It's just, uh, it's beautiful listening to you and it's important also to our listeners. We have people tuning in from all over the world. It's important that they get a sense of, you know, uh, to me it's always very valuable because of the type of people that we attract that listen to our show. Uh, not only are they celebrating you and your discoveries and your, your journey of what has shaped you and shifted you to be who you are, because that's what life does if we allow it. You know, we if life uh, creates challenges or, or different things that we run into or blocks or whatever, and we turn around and then come up with a transformation, uh, transformational way to approach that. It, it's uh -huh. so beautiful because you are, you're changing lives uh, one at a time with your very work and with your book. And at the same time, you're giving other people courage to do the same in their own fields, you know, and in their own way. And this is the, this is the era that we're living in now is, is mm -hmm. invention, innovative, let me give you the answers because the old paradigms, they don't work anymore. So I yeah, celebrate yeah. you. I, I celebrate you deeply uh, as a colleague uh, that you are willing to step out there and launch and talk about who you are and why all of this matters so much to you. Okay. No, happy to. And so while we're celebrating, I'm going to celebrate you and how I, I mentioned at Saybrook University where I teach. Um, there are a couple of um, unity uh, ministers who are married, even, 
um, who are each getting PhDs, and they were very, very happy to hear I was going to be speaking with you. So, so you are doing so much to to get all of this out there and to have a conversation between people and who are speaking and listening, where we can all evolve together. So this is part of the you know kind of systems view of our lives is we are none of us just these isolated billiard balls. We are open systems changing every moment. So you since the beginning of the show, right? So oh we- yes, and that's you're you're so right. I mean, it's as my friend uh, Dr. Barbara Fields always says, we're we're not a me, we're a we. And and certainly she's not the only one that trademarked that, but that's the truth. It's Anything that's happening to you is happening to me in whatever way that is, because we're, you know, that's what we say often. If, if a butterfly's wings movement can be felt uh, from another country, then imagine the impact we're having on each other right now, even going through these lines or through our listeners. And we love to urge you to call in too. call in and, Ask Dr. Ruth some questions of 816-251-3555. So, Dr. Ruth, when did the idea of putting a lot of your concepts and your discoveries and your learning into book form, that's not an easy undertaking, having been an author myself. It's an immense amount of work. Uh, Did it find you or did you find it or how did that come about? Well, I'd say um, over a period of time, this is really the um, fourth everyday creativity book. There's another one I wrote and two I edited. And it's well worth um, people up to, you know, looking at my website to see if any of these appeal, um, drruthrichards.com. Because, um, say, the, the one called Everyday Creativity and New uh, Views of Human Nature, done for the American Psychological Association, has some amazing people you may know that, like Rion Eisler, David Loy, Stanley Krippner, Toby Zausner, who have all written chapters and who are very visionary as well as um, scientifically solid, you know, people in their own right and others um, about creativity, sometimes art, sometimes culture, whatever. Um, but but I've been kind of doing the writing thing for a while, but wanted something that would um, pull together a lot of what you might call kind of the mainstream creativity theory with things that go much further. So, well, that uh, was God something. calling, obviously, and I don't know how that happened because my phone is off. <laughs> you must be meant to elaborate on that again. I am serious. My phone is not on. That is hysterical. I love it. It's a spirit coming in, no doubt. Maybe your grandmother, who knows? Um, oh. Anyway, sorry for the interruption. <laughs> Let's keep going. That's okay. Oh. Um, I think the interruption just told me it might be worth going back to, um, you know, what what is this creativity and why? See, what if I would make three points. And so point number one is we all have it. We all have it. Most people think they don't. And that is sad, okay? And it's mm. very related to being aware, to being intentional, to all of this. We have. So what? But people say, well, I can't draw a picture or I'm not creative. This, nope. Probably they can draw a picture, but that's not what it's all about. They could when they were three. Um, but But if you look at what, we mean by originality of everyday life and and by we here i'm talking about a bunch of folks where we actually 
spend a lot of time developing scales for um, everyday creativity. And they even got written up by Daniel Goleman in the New York Times. But don't, you know, don't uh, write me about can you use these to hire people. People actually did that. And that, no, <laughs> they're not like that. <laughs> it's a lot kind of grosser level. But it's about how how we're kind of living more freshly. This I I believe this is about coming alive. So what are we doing now? And we'd be dead if we weren't. I mean, evolutionarily, we would not be here if we weren't able to do things like guess, intuit, have hunches, adapt, right? This is what humans are very good at, to be flexible. Um, the evolutionary biologist Theodosius Zobzansky um, defined it as our phenotypic plasticity within our, you know, kind of biological limits. Humans can do so much from the poles to the deserts, the different cultures, belief systems, and so on. And um, by the way, I've, I'm with you and many people on believing that we, that there's something more, but that we as as humans and perhaps other species have come to the something more from many different places and cultures and contexts. And they may all just have a little piece of that, tiny piece of that mystery. And that what we can surely do is to honor each other there. And I see that as another part of our creativity. But here we have the guesses, our intuitions and so on. So, so how many people count that? Very few, or even notice it, and say, "What? How do we use our every? If you don't notice it, how can you develop it? And it surely won't get rewarded by a boss who isn't seeing it and, and valuing it. All right. So, so what are we using it for? Anything? We're running a home. We're counseling a friend. You know, we're landscaping our backyard. We're making up stories with our kids at bedtime, um, and so on." It can be used, it's not so much what we do, it's how we do it. We're talking, so I'm really talking to everyone here saying, if you didn't think you were creative, you were wrong, right? But we can pretty much all of us do a lot more of it than we do. And so that's really point number one. Let's see this, let's develop it. It's not always popular. Because this also means we're challenging the status quo. <laughs> hey, we're going to do something different here. Um, and so that can be an issue. And that runs into some wonderful, powerful things we can develop, such as bravery and resilience and a determination to create or to help create certain kinds of changes. But first we need to see, actually, I want to read you an excerpt that at one point, if that's okay. A Beautiful. Whenever you'd like to, we welcome that. Okay. Well, it'd be after this because it's about awareness and, and you, you got to start there. So this is about the first part of being having this creativity or having anything is is to be aware. So this is from chapter two, which is really chapter one. Chapter one is the introduction. Um, and the chapter is called Missing Worlds. And this is a story from some years ago where I was driving along, in, along an Oregon road with my cousin, who's like my sister because I only have younger brothers. 
and uh, my daughter, who was in the, the back seat, and this really struck me. So, And I was asked to post it online for something, and then I put it in this book. So, um, so this is about being aware, period. Here's an event that stopped me cold. I'm rather good at maps. I'm also good at using a GPS device, but I forgot the maps, and here we were, late afternoon, last day of vacation, my daughter, my cousin, and I driving along a two-lane highway in mid-state Oregon. No other car in sight, and the sun had just gone down. Where was that charming little village? It was supposed to be right along this river. We drove on, farther and farther into the unknown. River always at left as our guide. We kept passing farms and fields and scattered houses, and now a few lights were coming out. In my head, I was doing a litany of self-criticism. Why didn't we start earlier, leave more time, have lunch sooner, save dessert for the little town, bring the map, and on and on and on, a list of all we did wrong, reliving it as if that could help us now. My cousin and I were both impatient and stressed. My daughter, at least, was happy in the back seat, text messaging a friend. I pull up on the shoulder of the road to think. <clears throat> Just then, wow, amazing. A new scene had appeared. A new slide projected on a screen. Where did it come from? Look. Look, I insisted. Even my daughter looked up. Right there, out of nowhere, a magical, misty landscape. Fields moving off to infinity and muted purples and pastels. Fuzzy in the haze with clusters of tall, lush trees darkening and receding in the dusk. I turned the car engine off. All was silent in the hot summer air. Beside us, a plum-colored river barely moved between a border of trees, its dark, lazy water reflecting the last light of day. How breathtaking! This landscape had cast a spell. We sat in the silence of an indrawn breath. Where had it been? If I had seen even a trace of this beauty while driving along, not a neuron had registered it. No mental bell had rung so that the conscious mind could stop and take a look. I had missed it all. We all had missed it. We miss a lot. Almost everything, in fact, in our world. Our task-focused filters take care of that, selecting only what we need. We need to get to work, have some lunch, find that report, water the garden, go out on a date. We see what we need to see, often for purposes of survival or survival of the species. Gregory Bateson, speaking of beauty, said, aesthetic judgment is selection of a fact. We create the sight even as we become conscious of it. We do not simply see it in our daily lives. Who or what is doing the selecting and why? Is this predetermined? Can we 
in the here and now make a change? Can we see further? Can we see better? Can we even better our world? Opening our vision is a first step in everyday creativity. Mm, that's that, very powerful. Mm. I find it's, it's I, like we teach the, all the time in, in in unity, science of mind, new thought. If a person mm-hmm. can realize that you are creating all the time, and based mm. upon what you see in your life is based upon your creativity, then mm-hmm. how do you shift? Because you already know you're creative. And you're bringing Mm -hmm. that, uh, Dr. Ruth, to people's awareness that you are creative. But what's Mm -hmm. powerful is when you understand you've created what you have up till now, participated as a co-creator. And now how do you totally create what you really want and add that creativity? And you probably find, uh, like I do in my work, that people have learned like mantras, you know, I'm already so committed. Um, I'm so busy. Uh, We have a thing here at our campus that it's like we don't use the busy word. We say we're very creative (laughs) because because we we understand that's so much more empowering than using a a mantra like I'm so busy, Uh like like you haven't made a choice about anything that you're participating in. If you're busy, then become less busy by realizing that you're saying yes to things or no to things or whatever. But we just laugh and people say, how are you? And I go, I am very creative this week. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. So I'll do do a mini ad for you here because I discovered from from your website, the Mind Dive app. Mm -hmm. I love that dive app. Isn't it? Isn't it amazing? It isn't. Well, I didn't know anything about it, and so I I explored a couple of things, and one was that you know I your readers probably listeners know all about this, but but there are different meditations and practices and things that you can can look into, including um, temple saying things, good things, um, for how you're feeling. And so first I did balance, and then I did busy. <laughs> Oh, yeah, definitely. It's pretty cool. Yeah, Uh, myself, Deepak Chopra, Michael Beckwith, uh, Gary Swartz, uh, some of the leading scientists. Uh, Michelle Pascal uh, was the creator of the Mind Dive app and the beauty of it. And thanks for the shout out is it's free. And and the goal is to have, you know, people all over the world tuning into it, especially our teenagers, our kids to be aware that it exists. But it's a really cool app. Well, it, it is, and it's beautiful. So the, the app designer did a great job. It's very, very lovely. But, but this fits here, too, in another way, because we're talking about awareness, and we create our own. We have this tiny slice of, of our quote-unquote manifest reality, and we all have something different. But a lot of times, you know, if somebody's being creative, it's not conscious, right, that we – and that was true going along those roads. I was doing this old thing of I'm going to keep going over everything we did wrong. And so was my cousin. And that's that was not a choice. We were just doing that and creating that reality. And then something else luckily um, came forth. <laughs> yeah. um, so 
But um, but here's this Mind Life app, and what I like about it, aside from these two beautiful dolphins and other dolphins swimming, is we're looking within, and we're doing it consciously, intentionally, and we're doing it also openly, hopefully, to discover something new. And that's very different than going through our list of litanies, you know, because if we are truly um, being creative, and let me come back to some of what this to points two and three, so 9.1. Um, we're creative. Yeah, it's no problem. We have plenty of time, and um, we'll have a break in a couple of minutes, and then we'll be on for almost another 30 minutes. So you have plenty of time to share. Well, I just wanted to mention that in one study, this is not just about teenagers, uh, it's about everyone, the um, average person in this study was looking at their cell phone have nothing against cell phones, every six and a half minutes. So they were looking at their cell phones all the time. <laughs> Did so-and-so text? Uh, who called? You know, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. this, is, this is a concern not so much because of looking at the cell phone, although people do get clinically addicted to their media. Um, it's it's a problem because if we're not looking within, we're missing a great source of wisdom, the great source of wisdom. So I'm, I'm a meditator. Um, I have the privilege to go to Vietnam and to visit the um, Tru Quan Monastery in the Southern Mountains and the most um, venerable Chik Tan Tu, who and to meet with him actually through a translator every day for a week. And I was going back to Saybrook to see our graduate students. I said, what is the single most you know, important thing that I can take back to the students? And he said, in Vietnamese, but translated, look within. So as you know, it's not like we're just looking and there's not much going on there. Everything is going on there or can be. And so where is this creativity? Where is this aha coming from? And it's very interesting that mindfulness meditation predicts for being creative, for example. Oh, totally, totally. Well, we have lots to tune into when we come back. We're talking and go on her website drruthrichards.com and she has several books and today we're highlighting everyday creativity and the healthy mind we'll be right back you're listening to unity online radio celebrating diversity and inclusivity for pride month we are one As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach around the world, we depend on the generosity of listeners like you. If you enjoy the programming, please make your donation today by going to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Wisdom Moment with Iyanla Van Zandt, taken from a Celebrate Your Life event in Phoenix, Arizona. 
the universe is not going to wait for you. And if you keep talking yourself out of what you're told to do because of your negative self-talk or the crazy you inherited, somebody else is going to pick up on the idea. How many times have you been told to do something and you start figuring out the how? But the philosopher Nietzsche told us if you've got a strong enough what, the how will be provided. The way you do the things that the universe is calling you to do is don't ask how. When you get the instruction, just start moving. Everything else will show up for you. To find a Celebrate Your Life event near you, visit CelebrateYourLife.com. For over 23 years, Liz Dawn and her team at Celebrate Your Life have been presenting transformative events with some of the world's leading spiritual teachers. Experience a Celebrate Your Life event for yourself, October 31st to November 4th in beautiful Sedona, Arizona. Explore your spirituality and open your mind to some new ideas. These events are awesome soul fests that heal and transform. Log on to CelebrateYourLife.com to find out more. Italy, the food, the wine, the arts, the culture. Join Friends from Unity on a trip to Italy in the spring of 2020. In Rome, you'll walk in the footsteps of the Apostle Paul, visit the Colosseum and the Roman Forum, then head down the beautiful Amalfi Coast to Sorrento, the Isle of Capri, and the ruins of Pompeii, all with people you feel as if you already know. For more, visit unity.org travel. Take a trip with Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Central and tune in to World Spirituality. A lifelong student and practitioner of many world spiritual teachings, Paul guides you to the unity and common values shared by all world religions. We really are all connected. Take a journey with Paul and explore our planet's spiritual landscape with insight, humor, and practical advice for all. Join the show with your question or comment right here on Unity Online Radio. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone, and thank you for tuning in with us. Uh, if you're just coming in, I've been talking with Dr. Ruth Richards. She is the author of several books in the process of writing a new one. But the book we're highlighting today is Everyday Creativity and the Healthy Mind. And she has such amazing in, uh, insights, and she's offering the dynamic new path for self and society. That's actually the subtitle of her book. Thank you, Dr. Ruth, for being with us today. And we're talking about many layers that are within your book. And so I'm also, uh, I wanted you to share with our audience that you just received um, a major award. Well, okay. Um, the the award is called um, the Nautilus. There are a number of them in different categories, and this is a silver Nautilus award for creative process. And what distinguishes Nautilus, because they do a very careful job with um, three levels of review, is they're looking for um, better books for a better world. And I am so delighted 
doubt um, that that this one was chosen um, because you know we hadn't just done this work because we had nothing else to do. We really thought that it could lead to better lives for each of us, really coming alive into into um, our existence and together. So it's it's about that, and the kind of chaos theory, complexity theory part has to do with that, and how we are very much open systems who are constantly influencing each other. Um, but I wanted to, to um, mention a couple other points. In the book, is organized according to first, the so-called four Ps of creativity. So these are like four perspectives. And what are the four? Well, number one is product. So this is what you get or what you make, and that's fine. We can talk about that and how to do more, you know, have more creative ideas. Um, but the other three are process, what are we doing, person, who are we, and who are we when we're creating, does it make a difference, and um, press of the environment. And for this new book, by the way, I've added a fifth one, even though four is the classic, and the fifth one is purpose, right? Because what are we doing this for? <laughs> Why do we care? But um, but the book is really organized according to those four P's and then some new directions, as well as a whole section on mental health. I am a psychiatrist, and I want to at least touch on issues of norma normality. There's much more to be said here But before we finish. But um, if we – so let's say we're looking at the creative – we're looking at our creative – product and let's say we're brainstormers and we can just like this will go for the normality thing too so we're with a, a bunch of people and we're all throwing out ideas like what are some round things and that's like particular assessments of creativity so we have a cup and a plate and a dish and wait a minute maybe we have a planet where we have something orbiting the planet and we can start getting into the kind of wilder things about what might be round and just keep going. It's like exercising a muscle. Okay. So this is just one example of, of some ways that people can can kind of come up with more unusual ideas in their everyday life. And we're talking now about creative products. So wait a minute, let's stop. And let's turn the camera around from this creative product to look back at who is doing this and what's happening with them. And this is so important. Now, of course, it's not like every person who's creative is, is so great and everything. You know, people use being creative to do some really malevolent, harmful, dangerous um, things. But all else being equal, if we turn around and look at the creative process, which can get stronger from using it, what are we seeing? And there's a lot of this has been researched thoroughly, but I'll just mention some of my favorites. And one is aware. We were talking about that. <clears throat> um, very important is openness, our openness to possibility. And as with mindfulness, this isn't just what we want to see. It's whatever's there. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm sorry for the cough. Um, we... We are becoming someone who's much more richly sort of visionary, can see alternatives. And this comes from looking within 
and envisioning different possibilities. Um, people who are more in touch with what's going on within are going to be less defensive because a lot of that is in what we call our unconscious mind, right? And if you're aware of the image that's often used, it's an iceberg and the iceberg is sitting like 10% above the surface and 90% below. And that 90% is really where the action is. But we don't even know what's going on. We can talk more about the big aha, um, but less defensive. Um, people who tend to use their creativity more, develop it more, also tend to go beyond ego more. And by ego, I'm talking about this fixed self-image. And nothing's fixed. Change is the constant. But this, we're trying to prove we're this person and we've done this and that. No. That's going to only get in the way of being creative. Um, we're going to be more spontaneous, more authentic. We're going to have more fun. We'll be, we can at times be more childlike. All of this is great stuff. And it's healthy, okay? If uh, point two is now really about this health, we can also look at, um, you know, how can this change us? So we're out thinking of round things or something else um, for the poster for our new um, benefit or something. And meanwhile, though, we are being changed. We are part of the creation. Remember, we're changing every minute anyway, so it might as well be in a productive, opening kind of way. And so with this creative process, we're going to be, you know, more aware of possibilities. Again, we're turning the camera around. We're going to be willing to take a few more risks because we may come up with some weird ideas. And our people say, oh, that's weird. Why did you say that? We don't care. You know, we're trying to come up with a lot of good ideas. Um, these are not necessarily the norms in our culture. Um, and so on. We can say, let's look at the P of creative person, not process. There are particular kinds of qualities that go along with having more creative ideas. And in a minute, if I remember, I want to give you a little kind of exercise people can try and see if you know might you might get it by insight or by something else but there's a reason it has to do with the brain um but but there are qualities such as um this is a mouthful i'm sorry for it of course openness but beyond that tolerance of ambiguity oh there's a yawn but no, it's really important because we're going to sit with the unknown. We are comfortable to see what's going to happen. You know, if we're going to be open to things and, and literally sitting on the borders of infinity, looking into all these possibilities, you know, can we do that? Can it, are we willing to do that? That may include some things that are painful that we don't want to know about ourselves. Or maybe in the world, and maybe we're going to need to do something about that once we see how many people are just down the street in homeless shelters and, and, or, and or don't have enough to eat and so on. Are we willing to live that way? And if so, it's a good thing to do this with each other, too, because most of these problems are, are going to require some co-creation of people working together. But this is big. 
this is like, okay, I'm going to open my eyes, not just to beauty along a drive, which was really great, right? But That's to, right. To, from our, our point of view, because you can say everything's beautiful. I won't argue. Someone was arguing that with me. That if you get our, our, you know, our own personal self-interest and point of view out of it, you can say this cosmos is really beautiful. That doesn't mean that we don't want to do something to help the pain. Not at all. Okay? But but here's this here's this beauty of, of nature which is wonderful and we could say so much more about that. Um, but but are we willing to look at whatever comes up? Um so that's really key. And so I am gonna go into a different study here, which is um a study to say how can this change us? There was one study by James Panic, many studies, but one initial study by James Pennebaker and his colleagues in Texas, where they asked people who are usually college students, asked college students to um, write about something really awful in their in their lives that they had never told anyone about ever. And there was a control group, and the control group wrote about something much more neutral, like, you know, their uh, shoes or something. And so what would happen to these two groups who were doing expressive writing? It could, by the way, have been expressive art or a lot of things, but this was writing. And if they took, took on this challenge to look at something they didn't normally look at. And so it turned out, first of all, what did these students write about? You can maybe guess some of them. They were lonely. They were away from home. They were, there was some writing about trauma and abuse, which, by the way, is not solved in a short writing exercise. But, but at least to be able to say that um, something awful happened that some people don't quite fully acknowledge um, is a start. And so a lot of different things came out, and the other group, you know, wrote about more neutral things. So, so you think this first group was happier and healthier? No, the first group was unhappy because they had dug up a lot of stuff, and they, they'd never told anyone. Maybe they'd never told themselves either, if you know what I mean. That it was sort of buried there in a pre-conscious place, and they didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it. Suddenly, here it is. So they're looking at this, and there were several different, um, like four different times they would come back and write more, so it wasn't left, um, nor was it ignored. But again, don't expect that, that if one has some major kind of trauma, that's going to be solved in a few sessions either. But it was really great. They felt free to do it. So right away, the people who had done the writing about something so awful, they had never told anyone, felt awful, right? Um, however, six weeks later, that group had made fewer visits to the student health center than the other group. Six weeks later, first of all, they had their blood drawn on day one. So they were writing and having their blood drawn, all right? Why? Um, to look at to look at their T cells, our white cells that fight disease. 
because guess what? We're talking about a mind-body continuum, and maybe we're talking about a mind-body-spirit continuum, but they weren't looking at that. Um, and so six weeks later, the expressive experimental group, if you will, compared to the controls, were higher on two different white cell measures, T cells, of immune function. In other words, they were better able to fight disease. And why? Because they had taken on stuff <laughs> that was hard that they didn't normally look at. And people have done other research, lots of research along these lines. One of our graduate students just did something very interesting. But but have found other things about this that that taking on and working with it, integrating these these difficult issues also frees working memory, so it kind of pulls things together more within our mind and opens up greater freedom for processing in the future and other things. It's just very healthy to be able to do this, to be able to, to cope in a situation where you can. This, again, is not about being overwhelmed by something where you really need to take it more slowly or something else. So just a little warning there. But but in general, we're talking about a form of creative health here that is able to integrate, to unify, and to give us a much more empowered orientation toward the future as well as openness for further kind of creative insights. So my point here, my point in number one is we are all creative or we'd be dead, right? And, and um, we tend to just look at the product but often don't even see things that really are incredibly creative as having anything to do with it. But number two is if we turn the camera around and look at who is doing this, it can be changing us and it can be empowering us and making us more open, more aware, more aware of each other. And we can also apply this to things like relationships, that isn't, which is in this book, a whole chapter on it, that are not usually dealt with, or empathy, or a lot of things, because this is our everyday life, that we can, um, we can enhance our compassion, our altruism, really. All right. So um, there also is the fourth P here of creativity. So it's the environmental press say, does that make a difference? Oh, does it, right? So think of parents and kids and parents who are encouraging to their kids to try this and try that versus the parent or make it a boss who says, that's no good. <laughs> well, that would never work, right? This is not, this doesn't uh, help with creative uh, powers. There comes a time to say, you know, this is, which one do we want? Which is going to be the poster for our benefit or something? But not when we're throwing out ideas. Um, I want to, we have time, get back to this thing about the norm. But, but let me just uh, mention this one kind of study. Because we do have, our biology is really important here. Um, one set of studies, or a number, were done with anagrams and asked people to um, take, you know, these, these mixed-up letters and make words out of the mixed-up letters. So an example for you here would be 
and it's constructed so you'll get off the track. Um, G-R-A-N-M-A-A. So it looks like grandma, right, with two A's on the end. And and the task is to um, switch those around to make another word. And it might be more than one, but just but not that one, right? So I'm not going to wait while you work on that, but um, I'll I'll say that one can be made into anagram, which is all the mixed up letters, right? Um, so. Doing this as research, and here's another one, that D-A-P-D-E-L, I won't give the answer to that. And if you want to go to my website, I might have given the answer to that. <laughs> if not, I'll make sure I do, um, which is uh, drruthrichards.com. But um, switching those letters around. Okay. So so here, you, if you were doing this research, which was not our research, um, you would have, this is Cuneos, Beeman, and others, would really good stuff that you would have um, people not just doing word games but hooked up to EEGs and fMRI machines and all this brain measurement stuff, which is pretty good. And, and then ask people after, who, sw who switched the letters around suddenly? It came like, aha, it was an insight. You don't know where it came from. But it came, and and then who did who did it more logically? For instance, you could say, all right, there are two A's at the end of this grandma thing, so I'm going to see if it might start with A, which it actually does, and so a logical way, or it could be a mixture, and they're all good. You know, we can do whatever we like. But if you look at the insight group versus the more logical group, it's a whole different story of what's happening in the brain. And since time is limited, I will say it doesn't, it's more like the kind of EEG you get during meditation than during normal waking life. Um, that, and it includes something, this is all in the book actually. Cool stuff though, they've given great names to these, called an alpha flash. So these, suddenly it kind of takes the mind offline to sort of look more within at all these creative possibilities. And then it's followed by a brain blink, which instead of alpha re resonance, which is pretty slow, um, like 8 to 12, it's more like 40, and here's the answer. And so the, the brain is doing all this stuff. Now we could say, is the mind go beyond the brain, and which is a nice question I like to ask people in psychology of consciousness, and there's much more to discuss here, especially if you're interested in near-death experiences and so on, but the brain is doing stuff here that really links to that creative aha. So we're learning more and more about that. Um, I want to bring, bring this up because people who are open to that our mind can do this, these are altered states of consciousness, and it takes some risk-taking that we're saying, we don't know. We're going to be open and see what new stuff we can find. And this is going to hopefully lead to greater humility and wonder and awe at, at the kinds of things that we can learn and can know. So, so that's kind of the, um, the point number two, is if you turn the camera around from our creative product in everyday life, we find that we are the creative product. Okay. And point number three is that this can take us higher. 
depending what that means to you. But um, if you believe there's something more going on here, this may be a good way to look. Where we are more aware, where we're more open to experience, where we're beyond ego, where we're going to take the risk to know something new that we might not want to know and about the world as well as ourselves. If we're going to relate to each other in a new way that's fresh and alive and spontaneous, which means we're going to have to change. All of this is about creativity, the way we define it, right? And um, and that it can lead, like you find some of these same qualities um, among people Abraham Maslow described humanistic psychologist as his self-actualizing person. And these are quite amazing people who had not just uh, had high creativity but done a lot with it in the world and in their lives, such as Eleanor Roosevelt, for one. And that, that you would find within this group um, of case studies, you know, more people who had this openness, awareness, could see many possibilities, were more spontaneous, etc. Um, I want to mention, and I'll be quiet for a minute and see what I've left out, everything, um, that um, Roshi, John Dido, Lurie, in a lovely book called The Zen of Creativity, said this. So, And so this is now about the spiritual aspects. The creative process like a spiritual journey is intuitive, nonlinear, and experiential. It points us toward our essential nature, which is a reflection of the boundless creativity of the universe. So that's a good reason to do this. Oh, yeah, and, and it's so evident that spirituality and art, creativity, they're, they're all hand in hand, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, and that's what always fascinates me with people that they want to separate each of those. You know, uh-huh. I was uh, saying on Sunday that Frank Lloyd Wright said, I believe in God and you spell it N-A-T-U-R-E, <laughs> you know, everything's connected. And I, mm-hmm. I feel it's sometimes when in our own controlling issues and our our psychology, our woundology, that we we're attempting to separate things that actually belong together. So I, I love mm-hmm. how you're weaving everything in together from your background in psychiatry to your your space of how you show up in the world as you are teaching people about the creative mm-hmm. aspect and being aware. It's it's very powerful. And oh, I'm delighted you. that you are continuing to write and blog and, and speak about, uh, obviously, what you are immensely uh, passionate about. And you can stay uh-huh. in touch with uh, Dr. Ruth, everyone, by going to drruthrichards.com. We love the fact that we are able to feature such amazing guests on our show, The Intentional Spirit, we always want to highlight people that not only want to talk about their work, but what they're talking about can transcend and offer transformation to others. 
please join me mm-hmm. on templehays.com for ongoing trips that we take for education for ongoing activities to hear about the new institute that we are launching we are always into as dr ruth says we are creating over here <laughs> i tell you it's just been wonderful having you on the show and with less than a minute can you just give me a, a word or two about your closing thought okay um <laughs> My my closing thoughts are really to each of us, um, self-included. Mm-hmm. May we be more aware of that potential. May we take the risks to open it up, because sometimes it takes that. Um, may we see health in a broader way, because the norms that come along with being actively creative sometimes make us look a little odd to the to the conformist world. Mm, absolutely absolutely what a blessing to have you on our show okay well my great pleasure thank you so much yes thank you thank you for listening to unity online radio the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.